The Psychedologist. Becca Williams, emotions therapist and clinical nutritionist, comes on The Psychedologist to talk about emotional liberation. First, we hear about Becca's personal work with shame and how she learned to heal herself by working through difficult emotions. She gives us a peek into what emotional liberation is, a structured container and sacred space that embraces Eastern wisdom and Western medicine to learn the language of emotions through direct experience. Becca discusses how understanding emotions provides a bridge to intuition and that integration is the process of taking what we learned intuitively and internally from an experience and applying it to our outer world. The conversation shifts to boundaries and what Becca calls the doormat mentality. She describes how microdosing cannabis or psilocybin can bring things up and move them through faster, and how psilocybin microdosing can be an antidote to shame. The episode wraps up with topics like surrendering to healing and finding flow. Becca Williams is an emotions therapist and educator who specializes in cannabis and psilocybin microdosing-assisted emotional and trauma recovery. Her practice integrates ancient healing modalities that utilize expressive movement and breathwork techniques with the judicious use of cannabis. Becca is a registered dietitian nutritionist, a certified emotional liberation facilitator, and a longtime cannabis advocate and activist. She holds certificates from Healer.com in Cannabis Core Curriculum, dosage protocols and methodologies, CBD essentials, and clinical application. Becca has worked as a group facilitator, speaker, and mentor for personal and collective transformation for more than two decades. She was the founder of MJ Straight Talk, which aired on the Free Speech Network. Becca is on the board of the American Academy of Cannabinoid Medicine and a member of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Welcome to the Psychedologist, Becca. Wow. Leah, thank you. Um, I just want to say that I really honor what you're doing. It's amazing work you're, you're doing and is in covering and educating us in the uh, societal, you know, the social justice landscape and the environmental justice landscape as it relates to psychedelics. It's much needed. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you for seeing me. <laughs> oh, and thanks for uh, helping me with my headache. I'm just shocked that you had me breathe a little bit a couple minutes ago and that I didn't have to take Tylenol. So thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm happy for that. Happy for you. Well, um, let's start things off with uh, you and, and mm -hmm. your consciousness. What was your relationship to consciousness as a child? So I want to say, what consciousness? <laughs> right. You know, I had a challenging childhood environment, and it was usually uh, unpredictable and volatile and often dangerous. So when I think back, um, you know, that, that little girl um, that, was, that was little Becca, often alone and, and scared, there was some power, there was some power that embraced me, allowing me to get through a very traumatic childhood. And it reminds me that in one of my eight-week master courses, we do a very healing practice, and it's a psycho-spiritual journey from the present um, into our younger self. And then we come back and go 
to our older, wiser self. And in this uh, in this space, we we talk to our younger self um, words that we can believe, like um, you know, I, I what I saw as a child. I was I usually would hide in a in a little cubby hole of a closet and the clothes were down and it was just very dark in there and I would have my knees up around uh in my head and my knees and holding myself and um you know uh in that practice um I would put my arms around that little girl and I'd say you know I'm here to tell you you're going to be okay that this is all going to pass and then looking toward my wise older self uh, for advice in the here and now. And so of course we're doing that work is we're essentially transcending the, the time space continuum. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, to answer your question, what was my relationship with consciousness as a child? I think it was more than I suspected at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love the um, relating with the child part, the inner child. It's, it's really potent. I, I had an EMDR experience where I saw a child, Leah, and I felt, I felt like, ugh, like just how much she, she was going through. I didn't want to, I felt this like aversion to helping her with it. And that was a, a revelation. I, I didn't think that I'd have that reaction. So, and then it helped inform how I relate to myself now. Mm-hmm. Um, and now mm-hmm. I can be with her. I think sometimes she's just screaming and she's very obnoxious, but, um, mm-hmm. she's me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in, in my, in my framework of understanding uh, what that is all about is being, and again, we're bringing in my, you know, my combination of, of Eastern teachings, Eastern wisdom, yogic psychology, and then Western science. Um, but what 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 what's happening when we study in in my work among the various emotions is shame, so self doubt, feeling defective, uh, feeling a sense of unworthiness, and that uh, that can relate to a self loathing, um, self hatred, and we are fractured. We are fractured from that child within. We are fractured from our soul. And how do we? And so the work that that I do is I teach people how to heal themselves. Of, of these difficult emotions and uh, the trauma that, that, that underpins them. Yeah. And we get in touch with that. Mm-hmm. So would you say that your childhood informs the work that you help people with now? Oh, no question. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I, if I would have, of course, who, you know, you could say that too. If I had a happy go lucky, healthy upbringing and childhood, um, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have evolved into the compassionate being that I am today. And do I believe that there is a particular? What do I want to say? Path that we're drawn to and a destiny. Yes, uh, woven in with free will, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm. I'm at this place in my life because. Um, I now I, I learned self-compassion for myself and now I am able to, in a full hearted way, have compassion that lends support to other people doing this, uh, this heavy lifting that, uh, you know, moving through these difficult emotions to get to the other side, because make no mistake about it, you get to the other side, you have to go through it. And of course, the, you know, the big question on the table with a lot of different portals is 
hmm, how do I how do I get from here to there by going through it? And I and and I offer, I think I will offer one very effective and efficient approach to doing that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about what what that approach is. Um, and first I'd like to ask, do you have any advice for people or any wisdom to share for anyone who um, they're really good at helping other people and they, they thrive with that? You know, maybe it's even their profession, but um, they're, they have a harder time giving themselves that space and compassion. Yeah. That's a great point you make because I think it's Deepak Chopra who said in in many different ways over the years, that in order to have have societal transformation, you must first have personal transformation. And I I don't think that you can do that, that societal transformation without at least being in the throes of this personal transformation. So the answer to your question would be uh, to, to, to do the work, to do the necessary work. And understand where your where your your clients and your patients are are coming from, what they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me just say this: that we know now that we all uh, suffer some degree of trauma on a on a on a trauma on a trauma spectrum to a lesser to a greater degree. Most of uh, most of my upbringing was around here. But who comes into my orbit are people who have, they know that there have, there's, been, there's been something going on in their lives and they may not be fully aware of it, all the way to people who have uh, spent years and years and decades uh, upturning rocks and looking under and pursuing this approach and that approach and, and nothing working. So yeah, uh, what I do is offer something that I believe is is most efficient and effective in getting to that trauma so that we can percolate it up and release it. As I, as I like to say to, and we do it through the emotions. So the emotions are the bridge to this trauma, if you will, you know, heretofore emotions have just been something that, that, that we, you know, they're, they're, they're this troublesome, nasty thing that we want to somehow medicate away or, um, you know, wh- whatever that may look like. I, and, you know, the best, the best way to describe this, I think, if you don't mind, please, is that when we have a serious health and we're in pain, we want to get out of that pain as soon as possible. So we go to a doctor or a naturopath or a chiropractor or a clinical nutritionist, you know, that's what I do, or some other practitioner to get to the bottom of it. And we, so that, we know how to how to heal it. Uh, so your practitioner is asking you questions. Might be doing some diagnostic testing. You know, using tools like that, and they come away with the treatment plan. And that might be, you know, fill in the blank surgery or some kind of uh, adjustment or prescription meds or you know supplements that I say as a as a clinical nutritionist. So we know what we need to do when we have some kind of physical challenge in our body with our body. But when it comes to emotions, and I am talking about difficult emotions, anxiety and depression and anger and self-doubt, which is shame, uh, boredom, uh, big stresses, you know, how do we deal with, with these feelings that can have such a devastating impact on our lives? How do we deal with them? And uh, you know, when it comes to difficult emotions, 
in the Western world, we're in the Neanderthal age compared to how modern medicine can, you know, fix what ails us in the body. So how do we fix these feelings that we can't touch and we can't operate on? And, you know, I, I, I like to use the analogy of, uh, you know, does this sound familiar that we're just going along and somebody says something or does something or we have an errant thought and we're off to the races, we're triggered and there's this just a tsunami of emotions that come over us and, and we don't, you know, we, we, we don't know what to do. So it, you know, it rolls over you and you don't know what's going on and you just know that it feels awful and you want out and you want out now. And you're encountering this overwhelming situation, how quickly the emotions that erupt can just erase any kind of control you thought you had, um, you know, and you feel like you have absolutely no control over the situation. Well, it's that's a, it's a different form of being injured or sick. It's our brain and mind health, and it is perplexed us forever. And I mean, we know this, you know, we have this crisis in our society with people struggling with these emotions, anxiety and depression. And I mean, I see a lot of anger in people uh, coming into, into my orbit. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can cite you can cite statistics, um, you know, in, in just anxiety alone, we have about 40 million Americans diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And that's just those who've actually entered the medical environment and have, you know, been checkmarked. And so, although most of us manage uh, to look just fine, uh, we all have an inner world that's often dark and difficult to navigate, some more than others. And that is where my work comes in. Um, this method, as I say, is called emotional liberation, and it involves a number of tools um, that embrace Eastern wisdom traditions and informed by Western science. I like that because I'm a clinician, and and cannabis and microdosing psilocybin, and that's where the the tools of meditation, cannabis, um, microdosing come in, and. Yeah. And so they all they all work together to allow us to move through these dark parts. This is this is shadow work. This is this is serious shadow work. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we see there are a lot of ways to dull or numb or escape the emotions, uh, but they don't really go away. You know, and, and similarly to I think how modern medicine can treat symptoms of ailments, but maybe doesn't get at the root sometimes. Uh, and even that can, that can be like, perhaps some areas of Western medicine are going off course in that way of like symptom management. I'm thinking of like acid reflux, for example. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so how, how does emotional liberation, it's a technique you said, the emotional liberation technique, how does it work? Uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, Yes, that's part of it. That's that's part of it. Uh, so it's a a really um, it's a it's a it's a structured. I want to call it a clinical environment, but I really create it as a container and sacred space. And so we, uh, what we want to do is learn the language of emotions, which we've never talked about in this society, or is seldom talked about anywhere else. It and 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 so we put definition to what we're feeling. So it's not just, uh, oh, that's just, remember, you know, we're triggered and, oh, that's just icky and that feels awful. What we want to understand 
is the emotion. So what we do, and and I just call from from what I teach and how I teach it, we understand what the emotions are. So there's a palette of of, of seven difficult emotions that uh, is in fear and anxiety and um, and anger and shame and guilt, uh, depression, sadness, and desire, which desire is what do I need, neediness, addictions, that sort of thing. So those are the the seven, the palette of seven difficult emotions. And they all have, we understand they all have uh, various, there's families relating to, for instance, uh, anxiety, fear and anxiety. So it could be ratcheted up. So everything under the fear is nervousness, feeling nervous or fear, anxiety, panic, terror. Um, so that's where, you know, panic attacks come from. And so we have we have related families with each one of those. So importantly to know what I'm feeling at any given time to actually address it and be with it. And it all works together that so we're learning this. And then another part of the program is actually going in to find answers. So we're doing the the somatic listing, the intuitive work that is here um, because you know, the one thing that we've impressed in the Western approach to dealing with feeling bad is to think your way out of it. And that's where, uh, you know, I, I talk therapy has helped countless people. I want to put that on the table first. I mean, it's our, it's been our go-to in, in the Western society. And at the same time, there are some issues with it because what we're doing when we're doing talk therapy is it's coming from up here. And I would uh, say another, and, 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 you know, students have, have mentioned it, that they were in talk therapy for years and years, and they'd be driving to the therapist was like, oh, well, what am I going to talk about today? What, you know, what am I going to, and, and so coming up from here, but uh, what is a nice combination is when we're doing this work down here, it softens it up, stuff starts coming up. And to be able to take that to um, another person, I, you know, often people, people uh, mentor or coach with me as well. Uh, but to take that, it's just really opens up um, and softens um, where you're coming from. What is it? What, what is it? Why are these feelings happening? And so that's, uh, uh, that's a, that's a lovely, that's a lovely dimension of this. Mm -hmm. And since I have the privilege of seeing lovely Becca and everyone else will be listening, I just want to translate up here. She was pointing to her head and down here, she's pointing to her body. I think that that's obvious, but just wanted to spell it out. Very good. Yeah. Spell it out. Yep. Yep. We want to meet uh, everybody where they're at. And even though my work involves uh, soul. I we, we do it in a very secular way, but understanding that emotions are the bridge to our intuition, and understanding our emotions allows us, gives us a map to to navigate uh, in that heart space um, is is vitally important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, when you say understanding emotions gives us a bridge, I agree. And I think that there might be some misunderstanding in maybe in, in people who've been going to talk therapy, for example, um, that understanding emotions is a purely intellectual process. I think it has to be an embodied somatic process as well, because, you know, the body, this is what I tell my clients, like the body doesn't necessarily communicate in words. 
And when I first started taking psychedelics, that's actually what I thought would happen is I'd get messages in the form of like words, either I'd hear them or see them. And so when I was feeling all these things and having visions that didn't make a lot of sense, it was very confusing um, because to pull from what you're saying, I hadn't learned to understand the language of emotions or the language of the body. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well framed. And another important piece of this, uh, Leah, is the integration. So, uh, and I and the integration. Maybe I frame it a little differently than one would as far as psychedelic integration is concerned. Maybe not. But uh, what we're doing here and what we're exposing and learning intuitively, then we need to go out into our world and interact with everybody out there and make sure that everything is in alignment from our inner world to our outer world, because that's, that's the issue, isn't it? Things are changing in our inner world and we don't know how to navigate out there in our outer world with all these changes made. And we walk out there and it's the same old, same old with everybody else. Yeah. They don't know that we've been doing this work. So how to, you know, how, how to take that in uh, increasing self-love um, the um, uh, the understanding that we can draw boundaries and 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 put that to work and you know when we start poking our old life like that and the people in that orbit they can they can push back at first and so that is that that's a big issue so what we do in these eight week modules is so for two months on eight weeks we're studying uh two uh two emotions so uh, summer coming up we're studying um, anxiety, fear and anxiety and shame because the two often go together. And, um, and then in doing that, we take a month off after the eight weeks so that we can go out there and integrate. So we're continuing to do the practices that we've learned because we want to strengthen our nervous system. We want to start developing and reorganizing a new neural networks in our brains. And so we need that time, but we need to continue to do the work in order to do that. I mean, if we're working on a, you know, on a washboard set of pecs, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not just going to go, okay, I'm done with the eight weeks and now I can just let it go. No, you want to continue to solidify that. And so that's what we're doing with our nervous system is continuing to, to, to repair and recircuit our nervous system essentially. Yeah. This is so great. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And it makes me think of uh, something you mentioned in our, our prior chat about uh, the accessibility of healing work and, you know, like group work mm -hmm. can be more accessible financially. Also, I think it's more resilient to heal in groups. Um, but I'm thinking about how uh, some of the mainstream discourse about psychedelic therapies and, uh, you know, cannabis therapies is uh, uh, perhaps some people might get the idea that it's like one and done or you do it and then you're changed and then you go back out into the world. But yeah, like you said, the world's still the same. It's still like poking us and even can push back harder against us when we are making these changes. Um, so what am I saying here? Well, right. Like, uh, say, say somebody who's healing from racial trauma, um, they, 
they go in and do their healing and yet they have to go back out into this world from which they were originally traumatized or gender-based trauma as well. Uh, any, any trauma related to oppression really. Um, so, so for one, I would say, I think healing in community, although we haven't talked about that yet on this recording, I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's coming up for me now. Healing in community brings more Mm -hmm. resilience to the change and also, um, the, ongoing the need to do ongoing maintenance at least maintenance after the change so that and not to look at maintenance as work but it's it's part of like hygiene in a way to to keep these to keep these shifts alive yeah it's a good point you make uh because people generally i find this in business uh in in in, uh, the business people who say well I've tried mindfulness. I know all about meditation. I've read all about it, but it just, I can't do it. I'm sitting and, and going over my to-do list in, in my mind so that when we can do this very active meditation practice that brings in the upper body with uh, movement, with sound often, and of course, with very powerful breath work, we can move that right up. We can, we can stir that up and move that right up. Now, having said that, for someone who has a lot of deep trauma, that can be overwhelming because when we open and start inviting the emotions to be with us, rather than our usual MO of pushing them away or uh, through addictions or what compensating techniques, going out shopping, pornography, eating, whatever that might look like, when we can actually settle down and start inviting these emotions up, that's where the changes and the healing start happening um, at, I might say, exponential uh, speeds. However, if someone is um, uh, is sensitive, and and this work right out of the gate is just over uh, overwhelming them, um, I always instruct everybody that they are they they are their own boss. They are the boss of them, and they have to drive that 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 bus to further mix my metaphors. But they're driving their own bus, and so they need to slow down so that the emotions don't come up and 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 and, and grab them, and they're re-traumatized. So it is very much a form of self therapy, where I'm a support, I'm a guide, but I'm not the end all be all, you know, what's best for you, you know, how to feel in and, and hear what your body is trying to tell you. Yeah. And I think that it's so important to, um, to emphasize people's agency and that in, in any healing therapy, if, if we're not, um, putting the person in the driver's seat of the bus, then how are they going to do when we're not here to help them? That's right. And there's a lot of modalities that would like you to continue on. Uh, But this one is really giving you the tools to do the work on your own so that you can go out into the rest of your life and, 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 and continue healing. The big deal is the first, uh, when you first encounter this work, because it's such, uh, it's so alien to you. And how do you do it? And there's, you don't, you have a weakened, you have a weakened uh, nervous system. So you need to strengthen that in order to feel 
the emotions. And that's hardest. That's hardest out of the gate and starting that. But once you get, once you start strengthening your nervous system, people get stabilized and they're able to actually bring these emotions up to engage in these powerful practices that stir that energy to aid in, in moving through uh, the, the, the trauma that is uh, the emotional, the emotions are tethered to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this could be a tangent. We don't want to, it will be, maybe our time could be better served to go on other tangents. Um, but I just want to say, I'm, I'm thinking right now of my herbalism training and, and also my newer training in psychedelic somatic interactional psychotherapy. And, um, I, yeah, the, the idea of like a weakened nervous system and a stronger nervous system, because like the nervous system of a person who's very anxious it's like the nervous system is still strong. It's just strong at these more maladaptive coping mechanisms that maybe don't actually serve the new context the person is in. You know, hopefully they're out of the abusive or traumatizing situation. And so I don't know if the nervous system being weak or just more so like misdirected. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, uh, we get into deep neuroscience uh, around that. So I'm going to leave that to the neuroscientists. I I speak in terms that are understandable in regard mm-hmm. to this. So the the image of going into a neuro gym to work out your nervous system, I think, is better uh, suited to our conversation in regard to uh, 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 a strengthened uh, strengthening the nervous system and where we go from there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, would you call it like toning? Yeah, toning. Sure. That's a, that's a term that's in this space. You hear a lot. Mm-hmm. I think you were going to say something else. Sorry to, I interjected there and stopped your flow. Did you want to go on with that? Where was I going with that? So the, uh, the toning, the strengthening, no, I think you, you're, that's right. It's a good, a good term for this is, is toning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you work with, you mentioned microdoses, um, cannabis and psilocybin. How does that come into play? Yeah. So the, the method, the emotional liberation method works well on its own, that there are countless people around the world who do the practices and get a lot out of it. But I find that in our busy, distracted society, that it's very hard for people to go into a meditative state. And I find that looking for ways to help them do that is important because in order to do the work, in order to do the healing, we have to go inward. That's that's what we need to do here. And so being able to amplify with the judicious um, uh, and thoughtful um, doses of cannabis or psilocybin microdosing. And I just want to point out that microdosing psilocybin is different than journeying with a, a in a full-blown trip. So microdosing psilocybin means that you're on some sort of protocol that you're observing. It may be the Paul Stamets stack or something else where you're doing X number of days on and X number of days off so that you can uh, prevent a gaining a tolerance uh, to the psilocybin. So that's in your body. And then doing this program with the uh, learning the 
learning the emotions and then learning how to apply that intuitively, uh, I, we find, and, and my, my, my students uh, certainly in, underscore this, that it actually brings things up and moves them through faster. And it's interesting, my graduate, my, my more senior students who have been with me for, for a year, and that the program is over, eight, over uh, four eight-week modules, and so they're finishing up with, we're just finishing up now with our last module. Um, they're saying that oftentimes they do the practices now without any kind of outside substances that they are there and that because, you know, the big deal is looking forward to meditating. And a lot of people don't look forward to it. Uh, a lot of my professionals just go, oh, it's just one more thing to do. It's on my to-do list and I got to do that. And I keep moving it down my to-do list and, oh, I didn't get to it today. But when you can add some cannabis to it, or you have been microdosing with the psilocybin, it actually, uh, it actually, catalyzes you to start looking forward to it because it feels so good. It feels so good um, as you as you're going into it, you look forward to it. It feels good as you're doing it. And then afterward, the effects go on and on and on for depending on how sensitive you are for days, for 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 weeks from one session. But of course, my protocol is doing the practicing up to 11 minutes, 16 minutes every day so that you continue that toning of your nervous system. And when you talk about stirring things up and allowing them to come to the surface, I mean, I'm guessing that's not necessarily pleasurable. Uh, how does that come into play with it? Oh, that's, that's the heavy lifting, isn't it? That's, that's journeying through the dark night of the soul. And one has to bring not only the desire, there are, there are lots of people who come to me with the desire, but they're not ready to commit to it because it's too hard uh, to, 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 to go into that space. And that's why it really is important to tone the nervous system so we can have that awareness and be with it. And, it, and, and so we practice that so that it's not, you got to practice anything to do it well. And so that you can actually bring this up on command and it's not, and, and, and during the course of it, it is painful it to, to go back and look at memories that are keeping your trauma alive is painful. But in a group environment where we're meeting twice a week to come back and go, well, how did it go for you? What challenges are you having? What kind of sticky, wicked things are coming up for you? Or what kind of victories are you having? And so people are sharing that and talking about it. And, and the others are going, oh, my gosh, that's a part of my life, too. And that's what's happening. So in, in my environment, also, I'm very sensitive to people being seen. You know, this whole thing with the Zoom culture, with the, I used to be in television, uh, in television news. And so I know that Zoom is very akin to the, the video being on TV. And for somebody who's not used to that or has some social anxiety, that can be terrifying. So um, what I what we do in the emotional liberation groups um, is that people before they come in, they choose a mythological or fantasy creature that resonates for them. And they pick that they, they pick that creature and then they find a picture of it. So in Zoom, 
what you see, what each other sees is a picture of that, uh, that mythological creature. I mean, we have, we have Inanna, we have Osiris, uh, Thunderbird, Ahmed, uh, Unicorn, I mean, things like that, where they're known for that. And it, it turns out when they choose this creature, it's, it's, it's really uh, archetypal for them. It's what they inspire to be. And that just adds to the mystique of the whole group, because we all, we know what people are aspiring to. So we're not p- meeting people in Zoom like we normally do. And so it allows, it just allows everybody to just take a big, deep sigh and be themselves without having to say, oh my God, what, you know, how do I look? What should I say? What kind of background and whatever? They don't have to do any of that. The only person that's seen is me as the facilitator. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I find, you know, having suffered from, from anxiety and uh, whatever kind of medical name you want to put on that particular kind of anxiety. But um, I I know this for a lot of people, they don't want to be seen like that. And so I, I leveled the playing field by virtue of requiring that of everybody. There were some who say, well, why don't you just let the people who want to be seen be seen and the people who don't want to be seen not? Well, then what happens, the people who aren't seen will go, oh, well, other people are showing themselves and then I'm not. And then there's this other whole shame part that comes in. So just leveling that playing field and allow everybody to play evenly works so well. And then the last few sessions, uh, people come on and show themselves after all of the conversation over a number of weeks has, um, has prevailed and people know each other by their mythical names. And it's, it's lovely. That is so cool. I just taught an online class and it was at seven in the morning. It was a college class. Uh, so no one really wanted to have their cameras on <laughs> and I understood and I, I wasn't going to, you know, I said like, it would be lovely to see you. Um, but that was, you know, no one, so no one showed their faces, but, uh, then when we had individual meetings, I said, please turn your camera on for your individual meeting. It's going to be mm-hmm. next week. So people had time to prepare and it's just so interesting. It, this is tangential, but it, um, to, I knew their voices and the way that they did their homework, but, and it was a group dynamics class. So it was so funny to be getting to know each other and doing these exercises, but not seeing them. And I had my own mythical creature imaginations of what they each were and how they looked. <laughs> uh, and, and it's kind of like when I went to Vipassana and for 10 days, I did my meditation and then all the students around me, I kind of, because it's a silent retreat, so no one's talking. Mm-hmm. I had a story. I, I didn't know I did, but I sort of had a story about each person. And then when we all got to talking, you know, some of the stories matched up and some of them like totally off. It's just so funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, with me being the only one shown uh, at first it was a little daunting, but it really makes me a better facilitator because I have to, I have to uh, listen and, uh, and uh, really raise my uh, intuitive skill as well in not seeing the person because when that's what we do as practitioners is see people and we're able to 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 wrap our heads around where they're at by looking at them and and seeing them and their their body language and all of that and we don't have that in in this and uh, and so for me it's been fun in settling into that space where I've had to extend myself as a facilitator mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well 
kudos to you for um, doing all of the work needed to support other people on their own journeys. And like you said, we have to, we can't really access intuition much until we've cleared out some of the more difficult emotions and toned our nervous systems, strengthened them. It, it was scary. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And it was scary when I started back in, in 2014 and uh, started teaching this because I I realized in healing myself that being high profile on air, I was in uh, in television news for a long for a long while, and I was uh, when I found this work, I was um, I was a producer and co host of a television show, and so for me, being in that high profile place, once I started surrendering to my healing, realizing the reason why I did that high profile work was to desperately get approval and seek validation and that I, I didn't need that anymore. And I let that fall away. I just surrendered to it all. And then the idea of teaching, um, you know, as a woman of a certain age, um, and I, I mean, I had all along been a facilitator and uh, a mentor, um, but uh, doing it in this way and wondering if you know, again, my issue was shame and and being and seeking approval and and wow, the universe has a way of just dishing it up and they're going here back. Here's the buffet for for managing your shame, right? Or or, or your approval, seeking approval, and 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 the idea of starting uh, starting and will people will, will people like this uh, like my like what I have to offer. Uh, the work that I bring. And that was a huge thing, just working through that in, you know, seven years ago. And yeah, and, and, and it was very healing for me. And to knowing to prove the concept, uh, particularly as it relates to adding the cannabis and now the psilocybin, psilocybin microdosing, it just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, 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 what do, what do I want to say? Uh, I don't want to say it's exonerating, you know, uh, because I, I knew all along that it was it was a powerful modality. But to have people step up and go, oh, my gosh, you know, I, this work has changed my life. I will never look at it the same um, is so gratifying. Mm -hmm. Do you have a consciousness hack that you've been working with recently that's working well for you? You know, I think I teach the consciousness hacks, Leah. I, you know, meditation is historically the one, uh, the, the 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 one consciousness hack that is a through line for everything. But what happens when people when people can't do it, and so you got to find another hack for that, right? And yeah. so the cannabis came in uh, to amplify what's what's coming up and really make it juicy, and then. Uh, what I find uh, with the psilocybin microdosing, um, oftentimes when we start releasing these emotions, uh, trauma just settles into the fibers of, of not only our body, our physical bodies, but our energetic bodies and how to, how to get that up. And oftentimes students will say so much has come off and what's left is like this sort of anxiety that kind of is like wallpaper is breathing on the back wall and just waiting to come out. And I really believe that we're on to something with the psilocybin microdosing in uh, using that as an antidote for this, this really deep, deep um, 
uh, shame or anxiety, whatever is what whatever's in the the fibers of that physical and energetic body. Those are my hacks. <laughs> yeah, really, really great. Um, yeah, I wanted to say, I think that psilocybin microdosing, you're saying like as an antidote to shame. Um, I think it's helped me make boundaries as well because. I have this, I'm a sensitive person. I always have been, I was a very, very sensitive child. And as an adult, if what's that? Empathic. Yeah, I, I think so. I hear a lot of different things about that. So I, I don't resonate with like saying I'm an empath. That's just doesn't land for me, for my Mm -hmm. personal self, but, Mm -hmm. um, but highly sensitive person, I, I can get down with that. And, um, and yeah, and certainly I'm, I'm, I have a lot of empathy it, I see it when I work with people. Um, but I think that no question. Mm-hmm. I see that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. For better or for worse. Um, I think microdosing helped me. It almost allows me to accept my sensitive mm-hmm. nature, um, mm-hmm. and advocate for it better. Like maybe when I'm not on a microdose, maybe, or let's, this is more in the past. Maybe when I wasn't on a microdose, I would just bulldoze through my sensitivity, kind of like tuck it away and keep functioning and keep emoting how I needed to in the situation and just let my boundaries be totally crossed. And, and microdosing, like if someone's crossing my boundary, it's almost like this like five alarm system is going off and I can really feel it uh, and hopefully get brave enough to say, ah, actually that's not working for me. Can we do it this way? I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, uh, we're, we're just trying it out in this, in the space of, of this work, this emotional liberation work. So I'll have to get back to you on that. But, you know, when you talk about boundaries, um, you know, we just don't, we're not born with a sense of how to draw boundaries, particularly if we lived in a pretty boundaryless childhood growing up, we don't, we don't know people stepped all over us. And that's where we came through with it, with what we call a, a, a doormat mentality. And so we have very leaky, if, if, if any, boundaries. And so one of the pieces we do in this work, so it's the intellectual part of it, is learning boundaries. We study boundaries. So there's, you know, there's six different steps of drawing a boundary from, for somebody. And you give, you know, so many of us, if the boundary is stepped over, we just explode or, 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 and, and, and we'll stomp off. But what we have to learn is, that we really want to give those people who are in our orbit a chance to step up and understand that the rules are being changed. And so there's, there's, this is how we introduce it. And then this is what we do. And if that's not happening, then we do this. And then we do this. So people have an, a, a map of how to draw boundaries, which is very important in, in integration. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Critical, critical. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to have you say where people can find you. Um, and then also, if there's any last words or last thoughts that you want to impart, go ahead and do that. Yeah, you know, I, uh, uh, well, first of all, people can find me uh, easy peasy. Just go to my website, which is BeccaWilliams.org, BeccaWilliams.org. And everything is there. It's sort of the portal to all of my uh, my coursework and and I, I do a, a once a month uh, event called Advanced Techniques to Strengthen Your Mind, Brain, and Nervous System. Just what 
we've been talking about there. Uh, so you can find all that. And I have, um, I have a fun quiz also that you can take about finding your cannabis personality. People really enjoy that. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> so it's, so that's, that's simple and forward. I can talk about my social media, but, you know, just head over to, to my website and, and you'll find it all. And I just want to say that really our life is about when we're serious about it and we're committed, it's about finding flow. And we find flow when we are able to defrag, break up these difficult emotions, and then we can really see the, the, the sun. And it's like difficult emotions create a, a dark cloud over our lives and we can't punch through it. So we need to learn somehow to punch through those dark emotions. And when we do, there's the light waiting for us. We don't have to create joy and peace and love. It's always there waiting for us. We just need to know how to part the clouds so we can access it. And so I always like to say um, it's about surfing the waves of uncertainty with increasing grace and perseverance. And that's what I teach. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you very much for sharing all this with us today. Oh, Leah, thank you for having me. Thank you for the wonderful work you do. The Psychologist is Consciousness Positive Radio. Find us everywhere podcasts are hosted. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at thepsychologist.com.